Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Gentlemen, how are you? It's another day, and I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to see both of y'all, too. That means we're still alive. Yeah, I mean, that says a lot with what's going around the world, particularly in the U.S. All things considered, I'm doing pretty well, but still disturbed. Uh, these incidents continue to happen and it just doesn't seem like it resonates with the people necessary to make some form of changes no matter how you see this to at some level I'm sorry doctor. you have to start questioning I gotta hold it on me while I'm typing that's not really good so here you go doctor so at some it's level, live people relax tell me some slack <laughs> yeah as I was saying is that uh, actually I'm doing relatively well with all things considered uh, as tragic events continue to occur around us at all various levels that are just disturbing. And so no matter how you see the things, no matter how you feel in regards to the legal framework, uh, policing, uh, items break down in terms of the incidents at some level, uh, it has to be disturbing. Um, and it's just... Difficult to imagine that we can't find a better way to deal with these issues that in such a way that we can at least change the overall process of what is taking place. And that's about the best I can put it without really just <clears throat> allowing Waylaying my emotions, you know, take over in regards to my thoughts on what is taking place. So I'll leave it at that. But Doc... Here on the KG Fifth and Wildcat and Doc podcast, we let our emotions run free. Wildcat, you want to say anything before I maybe set some things off? Uh, no. <laughs> really? I, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just waylay into it when it gets there. I just will. All right. Cool with me. I didn't know one thing. I haven't heard from some of those folks who were on my Facebook wall a few weeks ago blasting Kaepernick for protesting about kneeling down or sitting down when he first sat down. Now he's kneeling. I, where y'all at? Y'all been mighty quiet these with uh, Tyree King, Terrence Crutcher, and uh, Mr. Scott. Where y'all at? Got nothing to say? And I'm not going to tag you in the, the uh, post because y'all seem to find me when I... <laughs> when, when I post on my wall, y'all, y'all come find me. But now that things are out there, y'all, where y'all at? Anyhow, but let's talk some, some on the field activities. We'll get we'll into that stuff. We'll see it. We'll get into that stuff later on. Gentlemen, we're still waiting for the Big 12 to make a decision one way or the other. 45 to 60 days. So, I'm, I'm staying with that. So let me, and that's fine. I'm staying Doesn't with make that. any sense to me, but that's fine. Here we go. 45 days from seven I, days the, ago? Or? No, from the day of the uh, Board of Regents meeting. That's October 17th. Pete Thamel from Sports Illustrated wrote uh, September 16th. I'm just going to read you a few things from it. Basically, the Big 12 is now a mockery, laughing stock in the uh, NCAA college big-time sporting world. Oh, and to Oklahoma. Here we go, here we go. Could the Big 12 really go through this whole spectacle and not expand? Of course it could. 
That's the root of the comedy. What's hilarious about President Oklahoma President Bourne, David Bourne's quotes this week are the hypocrisy of them. Considering his public comments about the league being quote unquote psychologically disadvantaged, which we discussed here on previous podcasts months ago, as a 10-team league back in the spring of 2015. Colleagues around the Big 12 wanted Bourne to stop speaking out of turn at that point. But now, he's a league chairman. So a voice of consistent dissidence has fittingly become the league's official spokesman. Officials at schools outside of Texas and Oklahoma have pointed to Bourne's public comments as creating a perception of vulnerability as a psychologically disadvantaged quote ended up being a huge, well, disadvantage for the league. Credit to Big 12 for its dysfunction being symmetrical. In making calls this week to find out what's really going to happen in the Big 12, the answer remained a similar refrain, no one really knows, other than a laugh track at the Big 12's expense. Why is this taking so long? Why can't they shut up boring? Why did Rice get an interview? One clear pattern did emerge. Nothing has happened with the Big 12 in the past two months that gives any hint that the league will survive past its current television contract in 2024-25, which we've discussed also on previous podcasts. There's no consensus on what schools to add, how many schools to add, or even if it should add schools. More critically for the future of the league, neither Oklahoma nor Texas have given any public hint they have long-term plans to stay in the league. That's a question we'd really like Born to, to hear Born answer. Thoughts? I mean, this is all stuff. And let me say this also. Pete did add that as of right now, in his opinion, he break down a percentage. He believes the Big 12 adding Houston and Cincinnati is 60%. Nothing happening is 30%. And then 10%, something wacky happens. And that being something like adding... Uh, UConn or Florida, USF, something like that. But 60% chance of Houston and Cincinnati being the two choices for the Big 12. So that's one thought I think that will happen. I'm not sure why it's taking this long. Why They have they could have, talking about brand, Doc, I'm going to toss this your way. Houston and Cincinnati played ESPN Thursday last Thursday. Last Wednesday, they could have announced, they being the Big 12, could have announced we like to announce we made a decision. We have sent a invitation, formal invitation to the University of Houston and the University of Cincinnati to join the Big 12. Lo and behold, Thursday, you got a matchup on ESPN, primetime TV. Could have promoted the league over and over and over throughout that football game. What happened? Not a damn thing. Thoughts on that? What about the brand, Doc? What about the brand of the Big 12? Well, the brand with the Big 12 is having some major problems on various levels. Football this season talked about Oklahoma 0-2 that's one framework Uh, and then the indecision or decision or indecision in regards to the Big 12 on expansion is really in a lot of ways hurting their brand and that's why people feel regardless of what they do in expansion that the framework and the overall life expectancy of the Big 12 is not going to linger very long but I think you make an excellent point that would have been a great opportunity because I thought it was a good look, and obviously many people made the, the discussion points that these two programs were programs that would uh, be 
looked at in that Houston and some people said Cincinnati in a lot of ways. They talked about a famous restaurant over there that had a meal where they were doing 12-ounce lobster, 12-ounce a steak, calling it the Big 12 uh, in their way to kind of brand. And so you see everybody's taking the uh, opportunity to brand themselves with this branding framework and except for the Big 12. So I think it would have been fascinating if they could have came together and decided on those school, two schools. I think one of the reasons it's taken too, so long, to be frank, is you can't get a consistency, that consensus in regards to what the current presidents want to do. So you, I'm sure you have a, a block of presidents that want to expand with the several schools and some that want other schools. Mm-hmm. And so you're getting this framework that you can't really get everybody together and get a quorum where you can get the percentage necessary for expansion. And I think in a lot of ways that's why Oklahoma's president Brent, uh, came out and said um, he doesn't see it really necessarily happening at this point because they can't get the assistance. I think that's silly. At some point they're going to have enough people that they can get the votes and they'll finally find the teams. And I think at the end of the day it's going to be – uh, Houston and Cincinnati, which in a lot of ways is going to be sad because they didn't take advantage of what took place because it was an excellent, excellent uh, television, primetime event. Uh, both teams looked apart in a lot of ways. Uh, you can tell they're preparing, so you got to find a way to take advantage of those opportunities. But I think the Big 12, as you said, frankly, particularly if you think if they can't make a move in regards to the commissioner, they're really right. in trouble. They yeah. might be able to say to themselves if at least they can make a change to the commissioner and get somebody in that's competent to kind of push things forward and bring everybody to the tables. But in a lot of ways, I think that is one way to help them. Yeah. But basically, I think no. they're just they're dead men walking. And Mr. Big 12, you got some insight, Mr. Big 12? Share your thoughts, please, sir. I'm going to share my thoughts. Uh, two things I got. Uh, starting you, you see that uh, uh, the ways and all are moving in the other direction. Um, what direction is that, sir? UT is in an upward slope, and Oklahoma right now is treading water. Their biggest problem right now, uh, they've got to come into the Big 12 and roll through. Uh, they'll be totally out of the picture for a lot of things. Uh, I've sitting back years ago, uh, a while back, and even earlier this, uh, in, the, in this year, in 2016, it all boils down to when te- uh, Texas and Oklahoma, and right now it just it takes it just took Texas so long to get going. Most people don't realize when Coach Strong took the job, there were no Sunday players on that team at all. I mean, guys wouldn't even get drafted. They weren't even getting invited to 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 camp. That's how that's how far they've come now. They've got guys that's draftable and could leave early. Uh, they've got at least nine right now that are on list, uh, according to the folks that I've talked to uh, in the last 30 to 30 days. With that being said, the year you mentioned when the contracts run out for UT with, U- with ESPN, the conference itself with all their TV partnerships, that's when a move is going to be made as far as whether the pro- or the the conference stays together or not. Some of us... Excuse me, Wildcat. Uh, we have a comment from our, one of our loyal listeners and viewers. I'm listening. He says, UT upward slope. 
after the loss to Cal? Yeah, they are. Please respond. Please, here's, here's your time because to report. Because you know, apparently you don't know what an upward slope is. Because they were, they were at zero before he got that job. <laughs> and I mean, they were not just treading water. They were drowning out there. Okay. Now they've got players and they've got recruits. He's got his coaching staff that he trusts now. Even on defensive coordinator? Yes. Really? Now, I would, I'll say this. I'll say this. I watched the game the other night against Cal. Yes, they had Big 12 officials. I'm still trying to get a clarification on that ruling. But from what I... Because going online and, get the, and, and getting information, I was able to get it. But getting a clarification of how it's discussed and how it's wrote up in the handbook that's handed by the conference itself, apparently they made the right decision. But in my eyes... Regarding what? What are you talking about specifically? I'm talking about specifically that it, the, the, UT's recovery of the football in the end zone. That was a fr- live ball. Nobody blew a whistle. Ball wasn't dead. Nobody was on the ground. And the UT player picked it up and then wow. handed it to the official. That's a pick. That's a recovery. Right. And it's in the end zone, and, and, so and, it's and a it's dead in, ball. It's a dead ball. Like, that that would have gave UT an opportunity for at least one shot. But there's another case to be made where and, you and, had the and, game against South Carolina State, and I hate to do this to my HBCU programs when they were playing God, Clemson, and the dude catches the ball in the end zone, and he hands it to the official, and at that point it's still on a live ball. You know, on a kickoff, so it's still a live ball. So and, 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 and This gets I'm, to the point where it's interpretation and human. I agree with you when you look and, at and it. I, I he picked that. the ball up, and so at what point – but, but, and they said it wasn't a clear it, recovery. I don't know. I saw it as two different scenarios. And the reason I say that is because of what he's been accustomed to in that conference. And that's the way they've handled things. As far as the kids and all, recovering the ball, you know, getting putting their hands on the ball and handing it to the official. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and I think I, there's I, some question on that. But at the end of the day, I think one of the concerns a lot of people have is that defense. It looked like they had, to some degree, right, this right at the ship. But that was a big game. But I think one game is not going to determine in totality oh, no. where that defense is. No. Obviously, that's a big question mark. They gave we'll up see. points to Notre Dame. Now they get up a lot of points to Cal. <laughs> yeah, you, but Notre Dame scored some points, so I yeah. think that's pretty good. Cal, um, obviously, is a throwing, throwing the ball a lot. So right. that's a lot of yards they put it out there. And so there's some concerns, but I think every you DC, have to let this play play out a little bit. Every now, DC. one comment that I, I went in here that I think is interesting, and this really doesn't say anything about helping the defense, but it does explain in some formats what is taking place in regards to why this defense is having trouble. When this defense that uh, with these two coaches at Louisville were playing, they were playing – some 40, maybe uh, 55 snaps a game, and now they end up playing like 60 uh, to 75 snaps a game. So you're talking about a defense that can't get its strides in terms of slowing teams down. Now, again, you take this to the place, and a lot of times this is how you are judged in regards to your overall position and talent. But you don't hear these same type of questions when you talk about Alabama in the last game they played against Mississippi that runs that same type of offense mm-hmm. that was able to put up all these points to a team that is usually vaunted on the defensive side. So I think a lot of it is the, the scheme that's being played. 
I think at the end of the day, the defense doesn't become a problem until you're not winning games. True. That's, that's when the issue is. So at the bottom line, it's going to be about the overall team winning some games. And that's when it really, again, was questioned. When they beat Notre Dame, nobody had a problem in terms of the defense. Uh, True. That's when they lost to California. And I thought they were in some positions to make some plays, uh, but that's what it is about. They got to make the plays. And so it's going to be interesting because they have a realistic shot in terms of where the Big 12 is right now to finish uh, in a good position in the Big 12. You know, there's some concerns with Baylor, what's taking place there. Yeah. Oklahoma and- obviously looks like they're having their issue. TCU. So this is a chance uh, for Texas to move in the upwards direction, which definitely will help recruiting and get some semblance of the program uh, continuing to move up. Because I agree with you. I think they're on the upward trajectory. The question is, is it going to be enough? And ultimately, it's going to be about the number of wins, not necessarily how they play in games. Well, here we it's go. It's going to be reaching the number of wins. I'm going to toss this out here for both of y'all. Before okay. they make the decision. Is it now currently this season? The power four rather than the power five. Certainly. I think uh, without a doubt. The Big 12 is out. The only problem that that goes back to the other part of the question, U of H. How much is that uh, actually hurting U of H? I think they're in a position uh, that they can get in there. But now that win that they had over Oklahoma is not uh, as strong as it was. They don't have to worry about Notre Dame anymore as the independent trying to get in essentially. So that's a good thing. But if you have Stanford finishing strong, as it looks like, they have a good opportunity in the Pac-12. Ohio or Michigan coming out of the Big Ten. Ohio State. Ohio State, thank you. Yeah, they would. The Ohio State University. Yeah. Is, that, is that what they call? Um, now we're talking about uh, Louisville, Louisville or Clemson. And they actually would play each other. So one of those teams would come uh, Doc, out. Wildcat. Um, which makes that Louisville game in Houston. U of H, on, what is that? November 17th, yes. But Doc, Wildcat, yeah. five years ago, the Big 12 had a chance to invite Louisville to join that conference. Blew it. That's another case. And blew it. Where we talking about the commissioner. And a lot of people are still upset with that. that the fact that they didn't get it done. So And media pointed that out. Over the weekend, naturally, because Louisville just obliterated Florida yes, State, mount on now, six three to twenty. T- so would Big Twelve make, make, and then obviously make, whoever make comes out of the SEC, i.e., being Alabama, those are your schools. You're in trouble if you Big and Twelve. Now my watch game is a week away now. Uh, Louisville, Clemson at Clemson. Yeah, that's my watch game. Well, one of those teams uh, is essentially going to be eliminated. True. Because you won't have a way of getting back. So I think one loss, we found out, and one loss you still get, only get back. But the problem that you have is the team that loses that game, uh, particularly it's Clemson because they still got to play Florida State from that standpoint. Florida and the problem is, is you're not going to play in you're not going to play in the conference right. championship game. The similar defense is, a, is a, in shambles. So, you know, I'm not sure what, what they can do to right the ship. But – Real quick, we have a question. I agree with that, but from, I'm always cautious in terms of one game. Oh no, no and, well, they got lit up by Mississippi in, in the first half. That's true. And then discovered themselves at halftime and Ole Miss, as we can, as we've seen twice. I now, mean, I'm not saying that Florida State cannot hold not leads because they blew one against Florida State and they blew one against Alabama. They blow a 20 point lead, 21 point lead, and 22. That's what we found out about Mississippi. So Sorry. you know, mm. but gentlemen, uh-huh. uh huh, we have a comment from the. 
KG gets a walk at and doc Facebook page. A coworker mentioned that U of A should be two or three, and they're being overlooked. Thoughts? Uh, not yet. I don't think they. They. they I think they're where they should be right now. Yeah, because your best bet is where you are. Stay in the and stay in the zone, and understand that you don't have a complete total like you had last year with teams in this conference that were competitive up and down with a quarterback every week that was going. That was going to push you, or a running back that was going to push you. That's not that this season. Yeah, uh, and I also that, think you got to look at where they started. True. Oh yeah. You can only move up so much, so fast, particularly when you have teams in front of you that are undefeated and, as well. Yes, you have a solid win, but then we just told you a story in regards to right how that win is not measured the same at the time it was, which is no fault of U of H. Uh, so I think for the most part they are where they need to be. Or should be. And the fact is, at the end of the day, yeah, it's great talking points, but just keep winning. Put yourself in a position uh, to give yourself a chance. And if you keep winning, you'll get that chance. Particularly when you had it, that matchup with Louisville. That that does everything for you. On really ESPN Thursday night. So that night. would be two top ten wins. Uh, obviously, teams may finish a little differently, but at the time of those victories, you have two top ten wins. You have a chance to make a big statement. You go undefeated, win your conference, two top ten wins. You can make an argument that you'll be in the Final Four. And then you, you're you going to be definitely in the top four positions. No question about it. Wildcat, um, you're besmirching the American. USF has a chance to uh, show their wares this Saturday against Florida State. They beat Florida State. That'll help the American. What to help U of H? Hold up. Hold up. Both t- USF is undefeated. Florida State's coming off an, an ass whooping. And that's what it is. They're coming off an ass whooping. That, that, I agree, but that's the that's, that's the not that's the time that you want to play them because yeah. you know the coaches are gonna have all their focus. You know there's some talent on this team. So. Yeah. Now you talk about a team that's, that's got yeah. draft guys. That's that's, that's true. The, they have talent. They got draft guys. But based on the first three games, they've blown assignments, been lost, days and confused, no communication. Now, they, the offensive line is look like they don't know what they're doing. Where, where that that's I don't see you. Did, did, did I say USF winning the game? No, but I said if they do, oh, if they win it's the a game, whole game for if they, them. If they win the game, yes, it's definitely another feather in the cap. That's a staff problem. But I don't see what's, going on, see at, what's going on at Florida I don't State. I not the a, game. not a uh, a. Uh, it's not a player problem. That's a staff problem. Yes, without a doubt. Literally, look at uh, because. That team should not have gone from where they were at the end of the season before they played U of H in the Peach Bowl to where they are now. That is, they have not won a game since since the end of regular well, season last last year. The, one, mean, the one game they won was they lost U of H. They got lit up by U of H. And then what? Played crappy against Ole Miss for a half. Had a gimme game this following week. And they got blasted by Louisville. Okay. Three of their last four games, the defenses looked like trash. Right. But you're talking about top five teams. And, and, and true enough. Well, what, what is, what is, like okay, well, what is Florida players. State? Florida they State is supposed to be players. what? I don't see UCF as a top. No, no, USF. UCF. USF. Yeah, South Florida. I don't see South Florida as a top 20 team. Well, like I said, ABC, 11 o'clock. We'll, we'll find oh, out we'll this Saturday. Yep. And they're going to come to play. But I think at the end of the day, Florida State will get it done. It's a game they have to win. 
Oh, and no they, question they're about it. They're to win. They're supposed they to win. To all, win. All those things. They have to win. It. But we'll we'll see where the coaching staff is, based on getting destroyed Saturday, looking lost, confused, <laughs> clueless. We'll see how they respond. That's coaching. We'll see how the coaches get the players that. to respond versus South Florida on Saturday. You talking about a championship level team and a coach? I think they'll. I think they'll talk that talk, walk that walk. I think they will because they they got shut up. On Saturday by Louisville and the Heisman Trophy favorite, correct? Now, certainly, Jackson. Oh, yeah. Lamar Jackson, right? right. But I think yeah. also when you oh, do yeah. that, you also take off some of the luster for the team that beat them. We may be realizing that Louisville is just that good. True. And I had some folks, two ways somebody, my friends told me already, man, I don't know about how you're going to beat Louisville, man. I don't know. It's like my U of H Louisville matchup. Right. In November, I don't it's know. tough. It looks L- tough. Right one of the, yeah. the questions you have also is just the the injury status of U of H uh, quarterback Ward. I mean, he was hurting in that last game, so they got to get him healthy. Think you get him healthy, you take your chances at home. Oh, cool. Stadium full, rocking. Well, and the, and the U of H defense underneath the lights, especially the run defense led by Ed Oliver and Stephen Taylor. Yeah, playing some good balls. Looks sensational. Guys up front. Guys up sensational. Front. Guys up front. Now the offensive line, on the other hand, is having problems. But there's no question that Louisville, after that game, they look good. But I tell everybody, one game does not make championship. That's what we look when we talk about uh, HBCU football. Grambling put up 21 points in a half with Kincaid. They came back this week against Jackson State and only put up 21 points for the game against Jackson State, a team that at best is – Average on defense because two of the points that they scored of the 35 or two of the touchdowns that said that they scored were on defense. Now we're starting to hear the King K pull the muscle. That's why he left in the first half of that game, right? Yeah. And so that's an injury that's going to play out for the year. So we there's so many little things that go into these matchups that we need to pick apart and look at and consider what's taking place. So I think those things go a long way. Same way we had when you look at Southern – that just literally, you talked about yeah, yeah. Louisville beating Florida State. Well, you had this with Southern just dominating against uh, Alabama State. I mean, you talking about taking them to the woodshed. 60-plus uh, points in that matchup. Oh, it got ugly really fast. Uh, the trilogy of Austin Howard, Leonard Tillery, and Willie Quinn just stacked up numbers. They put up over 500 yards, 500 41 to be exact. Willie Quinn accounted for 20, 320 all-purpose yards and four touchdowns as Southern just trounced Alabama State 64-60. to 60. So Austin Howard give you some numbers just to wake you up. 14 what, what, was to score again? what was the score? 64-6. <laughs> to 6. 6, okay. 64-6. to 6. It was uh, 34 to nothing at the half. Yeah, it got ugly. Uh, Austin Howard was 14 to 27 for 304 yards, three touchdowns. Leonard Tillery, 22 carries for 124 yards. But the last one you got to listen to, Willie Quinn in receptions. Remember, I told you he had 320 all-purpose yards on receptions. He had four receptions for 178 yards and three touchdowns, averaging 44.5 yards a touchdown. That is just unbelievable. Uh, but everybody was shocked in they, when they seen their scores. Everybody's lip dropped. Uh, even uh, when I was down there in Huntsville, Alabama, flying up on the charter plane with Prairie View, great opportunity 
uh, to see. When, when you were doing what, sir? What was that again? What, what, what was that? What? What yes. was that? Uh, with the no, 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 no. That's not what play. That, that's not, no, the damn girl. The charter play. Yeah. Charter play. Yeah, they charter. KG. Wildcat, okay, we're sitting with royalty here. <laughs> with big time. Charter. Big time with a potentate. Charter, not charter. That's big time potentate here, Doctor Kenyatta Gavil, which, which we we already did that anyway. Yeah. Go ahead, sir. I'm trying to keep my weight up. You know, I I have to go out of town next week. We go to well, and where you go? Where, and where you going? Barbados to for a conference. Say that again, sir. Where you going? Barbados. Hear that, Bruce? Hear that, Bruce? Sports conference. And so we're going to try to get that done. But Prairie View uh, beat up Alabama and m 41 to 20. It wasn't that close. They put up 500 yards. So I thought that was really the tell of the tape. A lot of people were excited about Southern and what they did, and it was much about the score. But if you go inside the numbers and look at the yardage, Southern put up 541 total yards. Prairie View outdid that, 543 yards. Now it was relatively close. But you see these two teams, and they play in a couple of weeks. And that game is in Prairie View in the new stadium. So – uh, that's the one that you want to get your tickets to early because uh, it looks like that could be a showdown, the first showdown, though, it's between that Grambling State Tiger team that we talked about in Prairie View in Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, which should be go a long way in terms of who's coming out of the West. Yes. Another thing that Around was the corner. fascinating about this week in terms of the SWAC race, all five of the teams in the West beat all five of the teams in the East. That ha- I've never seen that mm. uh, on either side. You've had a couple of times where the top two teams, top three teams, on both division sides would defeat the top three teams on the other division side and have a really good week. But, yes, and this started off on the Thursday night showstopper when Arkansas Pine Bluff shocked the world, if you would, as they beat Alcorn State, the two-time defending mm-hmm. champion that many people th- thought would come out of the East and had a chance to represent for a third championship. They were down to their third quarterback, but you have to give a lot of cre- credit to Brandon Duncan that just kept getting gun. He threw f- – for 505 yards himself and four touchdowns. Yes, 505 yards passing, 29-52. Now, the game did go into multiple overtimes, three to be exact, before they pulled it out with the two-point conversion, 45-43. to uh, But that was the big upset of the week that shocked a lot of people. Uh, they told you about the Grambling State-Jackson game, Alabama State-Southern, the last one, right here in the backyard, Texas Southern, 31-0. to Hurts put up 270 Three yards passing, three touchdowns, 15 to 24 to do that. He had a very solid game, but the big talk was about the defense, Texas Southern defense, shutting out Mississippi Valley. The other talk that concerned a lot of people, to be frank, was just the attendance. Uh, not a lot of people. 1,524 people. Yeah, and that was, was the announced that attendance. That was with the season ticket patch because a lot of people say it was less than that actually in the stands. So you even had some students that were. Challenging each other to get to the game. At least the students be there. They worry about everybody else. Yeah, a lot of fresh. So, a lot of fresh. Speaking of TSU, this is a team that is gentlemen. playing really good on the defensive side of the ball. Very solid. Oh, yeah. Very disciplined. Yeah. You're missing a treat if you're not getting out there and watching this team. Speaking of TSU, please enlighten me and the listeners and viewers on uh, Derek Griffin. Yes. Also, the news of the week was the fact that Derek Griffin is no longer on the team, at least for this season. On the football team. On the football team. Make that. Uh, specific because he likely will be on the basketball team that uh, he has opportunity to come back next year but the coach suspended him for the rest of the season based on his action detrimental to the team and so a lot a lot of people were questioning that but uh, they got the victory without him and so uh, we'll see what comes of that and basically uh, he had been warned before of some things that he was doing to the team 
and it showed up late twice and didn't right didn't get it done. That's what Coach Haywood told Mark Berman that he was not doing his duties, and one of the things was being yeah, on time. And, and, and he then wasn't he got time. into some arguments about not mm-hmm. showing up, which really aggravated the situation. So it wasn't just about not showing up, but it was his actions in regards to what is going on. And this young man has a great opportunity, so hopefully he writes the ship because a lot of people know he's very talented, um, but he has to find a way because those are the type of things, even if you're that talented and you get a chance, even if somebody takes a fly on you and decides to draft you or pick you up a free agent, you're playing with your own money because yep. you surely uh, will lower your stock, uh, whether that means not getting drafted at all and having to go as a free agent or getting drafted much lower. Uh, so those are things to consider. So it'll be interesting to see uh, whether he decides to still push forward and try to come out because he's eligible to come out this spring. A lot of people think that probably won't happen. Uh, but now you're also talking about the grades. Now he has to get back focused. Um, if he's going to come back next fall, he has to make sure he does it in the classroom to be eligible. So uh, that's one to keep your eyes on in regards to just hoping that young man finds a way to get it correct because uh, I think in his heart he's a good guy, but uh, just his environment a lot of times, his ability to follow authority uh, hasn't reached the peak that it needs to be uh, to get him where he wants to be and where in a lot of people's eyes he could be. So that's kind of the framing on on the big games. The big game in the MEAC essentially this uh, week was the fact that you had one uh, MEAC game that was played, which was between Howard and Hampton, the battle of the real HU. Uh, AT&T, Nations Classic, interesting game there taking place. And it looks like Howard is just having some major problems, and that's a quarterback Johnson. Unfortunately for us that we are familiar with from this area, Pearland, uh, he's having some trouble in that game. Uh, that offensive line, they say, is just really atrocious. And so those are some issues uh, going on with Howard and Hampton. But Hampton got off the rope looking really good and see if they're going to make a statement. So we we'll have to keep our eyes on what's taking place there. The final score of that game, just to give you an update so you get a Idea of what took place was 34 to 7. Jalen Williams threw for 198 yards and a touchdown as Hampton ran through its arch rival Howard in that matchup, uh, just up and down the field. The other big one that I really had my eyes on was Tennessee State and Bethune Cookman. Tennessee State improved to 3 and 0 on the season, but they lost the quarterback. O'Shea Ackerman uh, is out for the season they announced today, so that was pretty sad. Now it was Ackerman Carter, to be exact. Uh, he was playing pretty well, scored a touchdown. His backup has played before, and that's Butler. He did throw two touchdowns uh, in terms of being able to pull out the victory. So they'll have to lean on Ronald Butler to see if he's ready to take that next step. And he did that uh, 7-13, 72 yards and two touchdowns. He did throw an interception in the action. And actually what was intriguing about the Bethune-Cookman game, played in Daytona is actually Bethune-Cookman's First-string quarterback got hurt as well. So both teams were playing with their backup. Final score was 31-24. Tennessee State with a huge victory to make a statement. Going on the road. Anytime you went on the road, you know it's always solid. So those are some of the matchups that people are looking forward in terms of what's going on. Let me give you top five. Let's start with the uh, majors since we talked about the majors, and we'll come back to them. Uh, Some big matchups were taking place. One of the games was a top-five matchup between Lane and Langston. We'll tell you the outcome of that game. As number five is Morehouse Maroon Tigers, 2-1, 1-0 on the season. They had a loss 
to a CIAA forward. Elizabeth City State jumped up on him and surprised him and came back and won the game uh, in exhilarating fashion. At number four, Langston Lions, 2-1. and one. They lost to Lane, which brings us to number three. That was that top five matchup. It was in Oklahoma at Tulsa. Uh, to think about that, it was Lane Dragons 3-0, 1-0, surprising everybody out of the SIAC. They say they're for real, but they have a matchup this weekend where they go to Tuskegee, and we'll tell you where Tuskegee is because at number two, Virginia State Trojans are 3-0, and 1-0 in the conference race. They are doing some big-time victories as their top have top five defense in the country in some areas there. Number one is Tuskegee Golden Tigers, and that's who Lane plays this Saturday traveling. Down there. So we get a top three matchup with number three traveling to number one. So that's an intriguing one. That's a conference uh, game in divisional games. So that will be intriguing to see what takes place there. Let's go into the major division, give you an update here. You'll see the SWAC just falling in line, and you'll see all coming out of the West Division. It could get very intriguing uh, on that side of the ball. Number five, Southern Jaguars, one and two. You can see they dropped up, jumped up four spots after that victory they had, dump trunking Alabama State in a lot of ways. The number four, Grambling State Tigers, one and one on the season. Big win over their rival, Jackson State. They've had Jackson State number for a while now, and they got it done. This was their third time playing in. In Jackson, so they'll actually return back to Grambling next year. In a lot of people's eyes, very intriguing as they were coming off that boycott they did. Number three, Prairie and M Panthers, two and one, two and zero, oh, as they went to Huntsville, Alabama, got a big win there. So you see three straight teams in the top five from the West Division of the SWAC. So it'll be interesting to keep your eyes on that. And number two, Tennessee State Tigers, we just talked about, playing some good football, undefeated. They get a week off, so that should help them in terms of trying to make sure they get Ronald Butler where they want him going into the conference action of the OVC and the Ohio Valley Conference. Number one, North Carolina A&T Aggies. Remember, this is team just a couple weeks ago, defeated FBS program. Akron is they got it done. But they placed, faced Tulsa. It looks like Tulsa had their attention. Tulsa got it done against the Aggies uh, as Aggies fall to 2-1 and one, but remain number one in the poll. Some intriguing matchups this weekend in terms of you get into that action in regards to the SWAC football. Keep your eyes going. Big-time matchups. Again, this is a weekend in the SWAC where you see everybody in the SWAC plays. West teams play the East. So it'll be interesting. You have Texas Southern going to Alabama State as Alabama opens up uh, their season there. So that's one to keep your eyes on. As well as you have Prairie View traveling to Mississippi Valley. That should be a game where Prairie View gets it done. But we shall see. Another one that may be intriguing for some people is Southern traveling to Alabama A&M. They go up to Huntsville. And so we'll see if they can put up the big yardage for the second week in a row. Another one, Alcorn State. Traveling to Gramlin. Mm, that should be a lot of fun. That is a big time rival. Certainly a lot of fun. And both of these teams need this victory. Yep. Definitely in terms of the stay where they want to be in their Eastern Division. And would like to see make a statement because many people believe this is two teams that could play for the conference championship later this year. So you would always want that edge. The last one. Intriguing, even though these teams uh, are in Jackson State, 0-3, 0-1 in the conference race. But Arkansas Pine Bluff, as we say, with that big upset win, they're 1-2, 1-0. So this is a chance for them to make another statement and make things interesting. So I'm watching to see 
what happens with the East-West matchups this week for the second consecutive week. Is it possible for the West to go undefeated against the East? Don't think so, but uh, there are some opportunities for that to take place. Some of the games, uh, matchups, we'll see what takes place there. In the MEAC, you have some uh, interesting games as you finally get into conference playing the MEAC, so people are ready for that in a lot of ways. One of the intriguing games is North Carolina Central at Norfolk State. Uh, Norfolk State struggled on the defensive side last week, but North Carolina Central played Division II program, St. Paul, so they got it done. So they are clicking as Malcolm Bell played outstanding in that game. So this is one to keep your eyes on. North Carolina Central has kind of stayed below the radar. They finished for first place in the conference the last two years. The team uh, last year, North Carolina A&T, that a lot of people are excited about, they defeated North Carolina A&T, that is North Carolina Central, two years straight. So this is a team that's very solid, know how to win, uh, but um, they haven't been able to get up over the hunt to kind of get the trophy by themselves or to play for the celebration bowl where they can get the kind of notoriety that you would think a team of that caliber should get. So keep your eyes on this matchup. Another one, South Carolina State and FAMU. Both of these teams just won a victory. FAMU 0-3. Last week they played Tuskegee. I thought Tuskegee had a chance to make a big statement in regards to playing what we recall playing up, Division II versus FCS, or as we said, mid-major versus major division. Well, they had to come from behind. Big-time play as they went down the field and get it done. So you give credit anytime you step up in the division to win. But I thought they might win bigger than that. So I'm not sure if they get to make the noise that they wanted. South Carolina State, we've heard about them. They play in FBS. They've had a tough road, 0-3. But now they get a chance to play a conference team. And so will they be able to make the statement and see if they're ready to stay at the upper level of the MEAC or have they slid back to the pack? We'll find out today. I mean, we'll find out Saturday. South Carolina State at FAMU. Another one, Howard, Morgan, two teams that are winless coming into this game. So intriguing about this matchup. Somebody else is going to get that win. Uh, Howard is already 0-1 in the MEAC. We talked about 0-3 overall. Morgan State is 0-2. So somebody desperately wants them to win, and Howard cannot uh, afford to fall to 0-2, or they definitely know their season in a lot of ways in the conference race is over already. Then Bethune-Cookman. 0-2, 0-2, but they played some tough competition. Remember, they had their first game with Alcorn. Uh, would have been an intriguing matchup at home. Just fell to Tennessee State, but that first one was canceled because of the lightning storm. So they go on the road to Savannah State. Savannah State, new coach, new attitude, but I'm not sure if they're ready <laughs> to be able to get it done against the Bethune-Cookman Wildcat. They're certainly going to be upset. Coaches will have their attention, so that's another one in the MEAC to just kind of keep your eyes on what is taking place. There are some big-time games this week, big-time matchup, top-five matchups on both sides of the ball. One other program I have to point out there and give some love to is Virginia Union Panthers. Man, they put a whooping on Winston-Salem State. They made a statement for their first victory of the year as they are 1-0 in the CIAA race. Yeah, football school now, Doc. That's what they said. They because <laughs> people got people. If people don't know who Virginia is, basketball is, school. If, if people Always don't know, basketball they, school. they are the Duke of the of the of the uh, of the HBCUs. Virginia Union yeah, has been a two multiple they, national championships. Oh yeah, three to be exact. If I'm not, not careful, uh, their women's team made it to Elite Eight last year. So. Um, they know about some basketball, but no, they say they can get it done in football. Okay. And actually, people realize, don't realize that uh, they had a couple of years where they made some runs. Now, it's like 20 years ago uh, when their AD 
now actually was the head coach before he went to Hampton and had a illustrious career. So that's what's going on in HBCU land. You can check out uh, the show every Tuesday uh, at KCOH TV. That is Dr. Khalil's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab where we go inside the numbers, look at the matchups when we review the games from the previous week, and then we preview the games coming up that week. We look at the top five teams in regards to key matchups and looking at the entire top ten list. So you can listen to that on the podcast, SoundCloud. If you can't listen to it live, which is every Tuesday from 6 to 7, you can also uh, go to SoundCloud as a podcast and listen to it on your own accord whenever you have the time to do so. And so that's kind of where we are with the HBCU Sports Report. Big-time weekend, big-time games. It's time to get into conference play, and this is where it counts. All that other stuff with the money games. Yeah, we had our chance to talk about that. People are upset about that, but it's time to move forward. This is where it counts. This is where you can take home the trophy. Appreciate that, Doc. I'm going to shift gears first. Let me say, hold, hold on. Let me say, let me put the camera back on me. Let me say this so people can see me. As I say this, as I shake my head and I say this, but reality is reality. Doc, kudos to your, your Cowboys for defeating my Washington R's on Sunday. Uh, once again, Kirk Cousins proves he can't, do the, can't come through in the clutch. <laughs> what's and, what, and what's again, going on with the, that? The, the, head coach, the locker room is Gruden says he has faith in Kirk Cousins, which shows why the team is in shambles. Because he's the man apparently is blind because he can't see that a man can't get the job done. But anyway... He's 0-26 against winning teams. If you're going to count the Cowboys as winning, they're not 500 to be 0-27. That's a fact. If you can't beat winning teams, how are you going to get the job done in the NFL? But anyway. You can. The Texans are 2-0. They play the Patriots Thursday night. Patriots are probably going to have the third-string quarterback playing versus the Texans. It's on the road for the Texans. Texan defense has played well. The quarterback has done enough to win. Thoughts on the Texans? Who wants to go first? <laughs> Your laughter says you want to go first. <laughs> All right. Here we are. Uh, I'm happy for him. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I am. Um, Is Brock Osweiler the man? Don't know yet. Two games in. What do you think? Um, and that's just it. Two games in. I, I want to see what, what well, happens. Well, I can't help. Some folks are already declaring Carson Wentz after two games. Oh, my goodness. You know. Not, it's, for it's you, rookie quarterback <laughs> on, played well. Not, I'm no, I've seen it already after the game against the Bears Monday night. Carson Wentz who? Is, a hall, is a Hall of Famer. Who? I, that's what against who? I saw one tweet say he's a top five quarterback in a couple of years based on two games and okay. a couple of games and a couple of years. Well, but that's how they run. The Texans did beat the Bears too, so I mean you're going to, and that's my point. Okay, I'm just that's my point. Making conversation now, you know, are they? Are they, are they competent? Are they competitive? Yes. Are they strong enough to win the division? Yes. I'm talking about the Texans now. Well, uh-huh. hold up on that. Are they strong enough to win the sorry division or what? <laughs> yeah. Well, they won the sorry division last year. The division. No, no, it's, it's worse now. The division now. is still sorry. It, it's worse. And the only reason I say that is because the Colts have no offensive line whatsoever. None. True. Uh, so that's two games. I'm looking at. I'm not looking at a split now. I'm looking at two games now. Out, out of that situation. Is that six wins for the Texans right there in, in the division? Will they sweep everybody? They probably won't sweep Tennessee. They won't. T- no, that's going to be a tough game for them. Jacksonville is going to be a tough game for them. Uh, those are the two teams that's going to split. But uh, uh, the Colts 
that should be a sweep. And if that game gets close, something went on wrong that week, that particular week, literally. Will the Texans win tomorrow? Will the Texans defeat the Patriots in New England? I hope so. I really hope so. If I don't know, too, Don. If you can't beat New England when they're down to the third, yeah, and um, that says a lot about the you, Texans. Obviously, you got to give credit to what Bill, New, Belichick does in a short week. But we're, we're, seriously, you got to get this game. And I think what you find out with the Texans, Texans are taking advantage of the situation. Yeah, um, they play they, the games that's in front of them. They're they winning the games right. and they're finding a way to win the game. So I give them much credit for that. But I think when you're talking about transition of what a lot of the fans want to see this team uh, do, which is make a serious run in the playoffs, I think at this point you have a lot of question marks. But it's a long season True. Uh, in terms of football. And frankly, you know, you only play sixteen games, obviously over seventeen weeks. But that season takes it seems forever right. when you talk about playing once a week <laughs> when the way that you look at it. So it's early in the season. They have a new quarterback. Uh, he showed some glimpses of opportunity to be really solid. Been picked uh, up twice and opening drive. Two but he's in a row. also showed some existence, as you said, where he looks like he's a first-year quarterback. And I think that's what you're going to find out. You're going to have those ups and downs. I think when you really want to start look at this, look at this team, start to look at this team, is about week twelve. Don't worry about the record at that time. They will have a really solid record, which will be good because that means you start playing for position with home games. But what you want to see is how they're playing. Is the quarterback progressing? All this right now, this nice, fancy, up and down. We yeah. can break it down all you want. But when it really is going to start to count, week 12 when he has several games under his belt, you clearly will see what he's about. You'll see, obviously at that point, how healthy is the team. True. And that's the point where you can but, really start to say, all right, this team, Texans, are ready to take the next step. This is the other thing, too. They, their crossover division this year in the NFL is the uh, NFC Central with Minnesota, Green Bay, Chicago, and who else is in there? Detroit. Detroit. They just played the, uh, the, 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 the Bears. We just saw Green Bay the other night. Against Minnesota. Against Minnesota, and it didn't look good. Right. It didn't, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm saying it's going to get corrected. Right. It's going to get corrected. Now, what you saw against Minnesota was a different type of defense that you hadn't seen in a while. Right. They, that, that defense looked like it's ready to, to get rolling, to get rolling. I'm not saying they there yet, but they, they – no, I agree with you. No. And you don't know what you're getting on Sunday to Sunday with Matt Stafford, with, with Detroit. You just sure. don't. <laughs> and you just don't. Well, you get you get inconsistency and probably a lot. I guess you do know that. And, and no, you, you get what you do you, with Cowboy fans are starting to understand. You 50-50. Well, You're you going to have a great game, very entertaining game. See, that, game will be close. going to get a flood and then or whatever. You know, well, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I know that when they oh, yeah. get mad at me, I'm going to tell the truth. I've just come to realize that this is a great, entertaining team. It, it will be a close game. The question is, is... You just flip a coin. Half the time they'll win it, half the times they won't. And if you face facts and you understand that, you can go and watch this team and really be excited about the game because you know it's going to be entertaining. Now, in, top of, in terms of being a serious continue for a championship, I don't see that yet. I don't see that yet. Uh, Credit to Prescott and yeah, that's, that. That, that's true. what he's doing. That's true. It gives you some hope in terms of the yeah. future. Now, uh, and, and, I, and, and to his credit, he, he is not losing any. And, and, and that is what was making him relevant in his whole in, his, like in the big cousin. picture of that division. Exactly. And exactly. 
Because I, I see the Giants. I see the Giants winning that division right now. Yeah, I, I, uh, it looks like. But I'm not. I'm not that excited about the Giants because the they'll find a way that, to go on. They still got a new coach. Uh, and they'll now, find a way they, to go on. They, they, they no, look they look good. They look I know what you're talking about. They look right now. But they will they, find a way to go on the slide. This is the oh, Giants. Yeah, nah. yeah, you yeah. know that they will they, go they, on they the will, slide. They will go on a, what, what? it's usually two to three games in the middle of the season. In right. between, and once the they question finish. is, is will they be able to right the ship? If they right. are, you're right. They'll be in a position to win this division. If not, we'll see them fall off the cliff. And I think that's the and, question with the new coach. When they go on that slide, which we know really goes on in the NFL oh, yeah, just about yeah. every it's team. Just a minute, the, the question how, is, how many games do they, they have the going? coach that's yeah. going to be in a position to get they them back? Correct it. Yeah. And we don't know that yet. And some of these locker rooms right now, too much is getting out in the public. And that's that's, that's, that's I, the new NFL. And, and, uh, that will continue. And, and, and I understand I, your frustration because you old school and you shouldn't like that. But I'm gonna <laughs> let you know you need to get used to that. Because I don't get that. I mean, I can understand. It's, it's, it's called millennials. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it's called? Yes. Because they some of that stuff yeah. and, it's, and it's some of that stuff that goes on in and, the locker room and, and that's get talked about. Some of it I don't mind hearing it, but I don't want to see it beyond the door. It gets beyond the door. That that is, that is some major concerns, but I think those days are over. And let me say this: it's not just the millennials; they have a lot of this, but you also have a lot of old school folks that are messy too, and they purposely oh, yeah, put stuff yeah, out yeah. there yeah. to try to shift public. They do it in a, a political framework, oh, yeah. in a different yeah. way, where they try to shift public opinion. And yeah. so that's just as messy to me too. They just are shrewder about the, doing it. And you talking about those that are not as shrewd, but either way, to me, right. they're bad business. But I think that's just the way life is now, generally in pro sports, but particularly in the NFL as you're looking at it. And unfortunately, uh, for the individual like yourself that are not comfortable with that, you better get used to it. Doc Wildcat, Wildcat, I don't cover the pro sports, man. I leave that to this guy right here. I'm leaning on you for this info because this is. Was tweeted out about a half hour ago by our colleagues Joseph Duarte of the Chronicle and Mark Berman of Fox Twenty Six Sports. Coop Houston coach Tom Herman got a verbal commitment from Baylor High School safety Donovan Steiner, who was formerly committed to Baylor. Wow, Baylor has football players, good ones. Yes, apparently everybody's got yes. Baylor. Everybody's got a few HISD. So there is some talent still left in, in HISD? Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's yes. good to know. That's a comfort. I know there are not good teams left in HISD, but there's still no. talent left in HISD. Yeah, yeah. That, okay. Now, where where people get it twisted is they look up and say, oh, that's HISD. Let me tell you something. Things have changed only because the suburbs, the, the suburbs have been enticement, an, enti- an enticement to moving on upward and out. <laughs> That's uh, and, 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 okay, and I'm, I'm gonna say it like that now, yeah. Uh, because I I stayed out in the suburbs for a little while. I moved back to the city just because it was cheaper for me, and I'm and I'm being honest. Uh, but yeah, HISD still has talent. They don't have it an abundance of talent consolidated. It's what they don't have anymore. Because the schools are, well, yeah. Now, other podcast right there. One of my referee <laughs> buddies had Lamar and Elsick last week. Lamar is good. I don't know if they're great, but they're good right now. Uh, they've got a shot. This, it's, things could happen for them because they do schedule suburban schools and they schedule 
good suburban schools. That's the little sisters of the poor. <laughs> and they and everybody understands that. And Lamar is 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 HISD's flagship right now. Yes. And they'll stay that way for a while. Unfortunately, as a Walter graduate, that hurts me to my core. But, but, but I'm, being, I'm being real. Yes. I, that's who we are now. Right. Uh, so when I say that, Lamar gets on the road, it could happen for him again this year. I mean, that literally. Okay. They've, they've got some players over there in abundance. And I think that's about the only school that you have that's been able to show over the last couple of years as a school and, that they can have enough talent to make a right. They make a run, a, a, a good run, and they can probably do that every couple of years. Now, that's how the talent level will uh, not consistently. One of our friends has has told me in conversation that uh, his, his people from Katy they don't call him anymore right now. They kind of they had yeah. made a yeah, they had Katie, made Katie should be quiet, but I mean they had, every they, dog has his day. I they, mean people need now. to roll on them because they've been rolling the roost. Oh, so yeah, which now. gets me to a bigger point. Go ahead. Those Dallas suburbs versus the Houston mm-hmm. suburbs. Yeah. Who's riding the high clock right now? Which is a key matchup. Yeah. People want to talk about this weekend in terms of greater Texas as we get outside of Houston and look at this. Is you had that the Soto matchup. Yeah. Cedar Hill. Yeah. Soto is undefeated. Cedar Hill. Yes. Obviously, their only loss is that television game on ESPN to was it Bishop Dunn yeah. out of uh, Las Vegas, Vegas Nevada. Yeah. Yeah, it came in there. Factory, beat factory. Yeah, the factory to beat factory. up on them. Play a good team, but that's another matchup uh, in terms of a statewide matchup. Get interesting. It looks like those Dallas suburban schools uh, versus Houston suburban schools are. Oh, Bishop Gorman. Bishop Gorman. Right, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Bishop Gorman. Yeah, yeah, that's a factory already. Right <laughs> that's a factory. Yeah. That's that's like. Uh, yeah. KDU. That's, yeah. yeah that's, oh, yeah. yeah. That's a football factory up there in, in Vegas. Yes, sir. Yeah, they're getting it done. Okay, real quick. Oh, uh, uh, one Go other ahead. thing, and I'd be remiss. Rice, yes, they're 0-3, but they get they, they go back into conference play this week with North Texas State. Their goals. Is that a good thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they can win this game? They could win this game. Um, the, the one factor that they've got, it's, that they've got to, like, overcome it's getting a quicker start. Right now, they've been getting slow starts. I, I actually went to that game, uh, covered that game the other night. Uh, slow starts. I guess Baylor? Uh, yeah, slow starts. And they understand who they are and what they're capable of doing. They get early starts. They can control the game. The last two games, they've had turnover issues. Uh, the one that kind of like killed the drive for them was the long run by Derek Dillard. In the second half, just they can't, right after halftime, and on a on a fumble, uh, in the into the red zone, just into the red zone, and they weren't able to get get going after that. They are capable of scoring points. They are capable of getting into a situation, getting into uh, a field goal range, and, and getting there, they've got a kicker, so it helps. They've got to get better with, as as Coach uh, uh, Bailiff has said, and what I saw the other night. They've got to get better with holding on to the ball. They just can't make mistakes, and they've got to can't be methodical. They've got to get quicker and just move. They can't be thinking a lot. It's almost like they're in a the classroom. Were you at HBU's win over Albertine Christian? Yeah, no, I didn't get. I didn't. I didn't get to that one. Uh, Twenty-seven, twenty-four. Now, That's overtime good. win as well. Now, That's good, solid. Just two. The last two years, they, uh, ACU has been rolling up on on, on yeah. HBU. 
Right. Uh, folks have, can say what they want to. You said this. That's, that's why we brought it up. They, uh, uh, they've made a move, not just in talent here in town, but they've made a move outreach, outsourcing with their offensive line and at their quarterback position. They are finding guys that that fit their system and won't put them in a bad way. Won't lose, as you said earlier, won't lose a game for them. And they've and they've got running backs that out of this area, like Coach said, Coach, Coach Sumlin and everybody else says, you in Houston, a hundred mile radius is all I need to be driving. I can go and get anything I want. Those running backs that they've got over there. Less than 50 miles radius of this city, of that school. Those guys hold on to the ball. They run hard. They've always had a running package. Doc. From day one. Wildcat. The attendance for that game, HBU game, home game at Husky Stadium, 2,877, which is almost double the attendance at TSU's game. Just throwing out that out there. I was just going to say. I can deal with that. I can do that. I, I can deal with that. That would be some concerns if I was Texas Southern. Uh, but the Huskies are 2-1, t- Huskies as Doc said. So the, right now the only winless team in Houston area is Rice. Yeah, and only got only one other winning team, that's HBU. But let me say this about Houston Baptist. Not so fast, my friends. All right, man. When you look at the, okay. the, the this weekend. <laughs> They do host the team, but they have Sam Houston State coming in. Now they got number no. Say this correctly now. Say this correctly. Number two in FCS. Number two in FCS. Number two in FCS. Graduate level sport management classes over there. Number two team in 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 FCS. That's right. Yeah. Perennial winners in terms of the key to the playoffs. It's an interesting matchup. It's giving them a chance to at least gauge where they are in terms of conference. And they'll and they'll figure it out. Trust me, they'll figure it out. Which makes this. Piney Woods game coming up in a couple of weeks should be big. Oh. Stephen F. Games on TV. Too. Austin two and one, one and zero is on TV. HBU, San Diego State is going to be on Fox College Sports oh, seven o'clock. I'll check that out. I, I plan to check that out. That's, that's check it out for probably a quarter. Yeah, because might be over. Right, the yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. If it, yeah. If it's it's not, might be over. Not entertaining. You know, I turn the channel. Like everybody, you know, it's, it's yeah, you can, you can turn the. It's too much entertainment. But they do. UH, Texas State on ESPNU. So we got some stuff. Six o'clock. You know, so, right. of course that game might be over at halftime as well. But you know, correct. Hopefully, Greg Ward won't play. Have to play too much in that game. And and I'm hoping for that. Literally, I'm hoping. I am. I'm hoping for that. So and nothing. Kyle Postman is a, is a very good backup. So hopefully, he'll get a chance and to play. A, they are getting a lot. They get. They are getting good production out of both of those two guys in situations. They understand that role. Knows who's in charge. Whose team it is, and they know. And any questions about anything, just go to the sideline. Just go to the sideline, and it'll get it'll get resolved. I like it, gentlemen. Yep, we're going to end the podcast if we started it. Wildcat, how can uh, folks find you? Uh, you can find me online at uh, Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, at JL Woodley One. Jerry L. Woodley Jr., YouTube, SoundCloud, and Blogger, Blogspot, at AKSV, CSR, the College Sports Report. Doc? Yes, I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the sports professor. 
Texas Southern University. Uh, you can listen to me every Tuesday for our live broadcast on KCOH TV. Um, that is KCOH in terms of your tuning app. Website, you can go to www.kcohradio.com. Uh, you can catch it. And that's Dr.ville's Inside HBCU Sports Lab every Tuesday uh, from 6 to 7. We always have a scheduled interview with the Prairie View A&M coach, Willie Simmons, in regards of a review and preview of their games. And we also have Coach Michael Haywood from Texas Southern University that does the same as well. And then we mix it in with our own talk, and we bring in coaches and ADs and article specialists uh, throughout the day. But we look at the top five, give you matchups that you want to keep focused on, and talk about some of the big games of the week. So you can catch that live on a podcast. You can do that at SoundCloud at Doctorville's Inside HBCU Sports Lab. And you can get all this information if you just want to go check out THG-ATC.com and you'll have everything you'll find right there, including information on the Big Ben Award, give you weekly updates on our weekly uh, awards, and quickly I'll give you this week's announcement of who got it done this week in terms of the Big Ben Award weekly honors. That was Preview A&M's Stephon McCray who just ran all over Alabama A&M. He rushed for 192 yards and two touchdowns on 16 carries as he got it done as a Panther, 141-20, as I told you, as well as Joshua Freeman. He was on that offensive line that led the charge as the Panthers' offensive unit gained 533 total yards in the contest, as well as the fact that you had Alabama and A&M uh, as they defeated them. And then the third guy on the list was North Carolina Central's Kenneth O'Neill, who had a big game in terms of stacking up sacks and tackles for the defensive unit of the North Carolina Central Eagles. So offensive player of the week for Big Ben Award was Stephon McCray, running back. Defensive guy was North Carolina Central University, Kenneth O'Neill, the linebacker, having a big game. So keep updated as we'll give you information on the Big Ben Award, which is scheduled for Wednesday night, November the 30th. As we head into the HBCU ARC, which is the Athletic Research Consortium Conference, uh, it begins that Wednesday with the Big Ben Awards, but uh, we go in and then have a big schedule of research and panel discussions on Thursday and Friday before we take off and check out that Saturday the SWAC Championship game. So you can find all this information on www.thd-agency.com. That will do it for Dr. Kavir. Thank you, sir. A couple of quick women's basketball notes. A reminder, of course, that the Notre Dame Fighting Irish will be here in town mm-hmm. Tuesday, November 22nd for their home game versus Louisiana Lafayette. 7 p.m. game is for uh, Manville. Manville's own Brianna Turner, All-American at Notre Dame. It's a junior year, so it's a home game for the Irish. Uh, tickets should be going on sale soon, probably within, within a few days last I heard it was going to be at the end of September so we're getting closer to that, obviously next women's basketball note, University of Houston Coach Huey and his coaching staff went west got a verbal commitment from a California player class 2017, Julia Blackshell Fair, 5'10 athlete I saw some footage, saw some video footage of her, some vines, stuff like that there's a blog post I have on my Houston Round Bar View Women's Who's blog this young lady is an athlete. Okay. What, 
Wildcat, you, you'll be impressed with with some of her athleticism. But she, she chose, guard. She should guard yes, guard. Yes, she chose U of H over Kentucky. Yes, over Kentucky. U of H over Kentucky. Yes, sir. She chose U of H over Kentucky. Her third her third school will kind of surprise you. Considering that I named those two schools U of H and Kentucky. Her third school was Cal Santa Barbara. Really? So a California kid chose U of H over Kentucky and Cal Santa Barbara. And she's ranked 92nd in ESPN Hoop Girls Top 100 in the country. Mm-hmm. So you, you can go to, uh, like I said, go to HoustonRoundBarView.com and check out the Women's Hoops blog and read that. A link to the interview that she and her mom did with uh, a young lady who is big on the West Coast for women's, women's basketball. Twitter moniker Pass the Ball. She does good work as well. So kudos to her. Now we're going to end, as I said, we touched on as we began. Quote, you tell me who, this, who said this. I'm going to read uh, most of the quote. No matter what <coughs> side of the spectrum you are on, I would hope that every American is disgusted with what is going on around the country with what happened in Tulsa two days ago. Terrence Crutcher. It doesn't matter what side you're on on the Kaepernick stuff. You better be disgusted about things that are happening. And so I understand people who are offended by his stance. Maybe they have a military family member who was offended. Maybe they lost somebody in a war and the flag and the anthem means a lot more to them than someone else. But then you flip it around. What about a nonviolent protest? This is America. This is what our country is about. It's a nonviolent protest. It's what it should be about. I think Colin has really clarified his message over the last couple of weeks. I think that some, something similar will happen in the NBA. Nobody has to be right. Nobody has to be wrong. I would hope everyone would respect each other's point of view. There are valid points of view on both sides. Unarmed black people are being killed indiscriminately around the country. And that's what happened two days ago. That's the message. That's what matters. The other stuff you can talk about all day. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. But that matters. Everyone should be trying to do something. Whatever is in their power to help in that regard. End quote. <coughs> Who said that? That was good. I don't know. Who said that? Tell us. Hmm. Yeah. Steve Kerr, head coach of the Golden State Warriors, said that in his interview today. It's posted on undefeated.com, but I think he was in a radio interview with the Santa podcast. Uh, No, this was quoted to Mark Spears of undefeated.com today. You can go to the website and read more of his comments. Wow. Why you say wow? Why why you say wow? Interesting. The reason I would say wow um, is one he was poignant in his words. Yeah, he went long thought out. He Very went thought to out. the key of many issues of what many people have said. But I think in a lot of ways you don't have an expectation that a coach will come out and speak on something like that because usually um, we push our athletes, our coaches, GMs. To be quiet on issues, for, so for somebody to come out, first of all, uh, you give them credit in terms of their framework. And oftentimes, when you do find coaches and a uh, presidents that and come out, they usually come out uh, on the side that is very traditional in terms of 
not wanting to stoke any flames or, or provide any solidarity for those that have some complaint, uh, have some concern. So, kudos to Kerr. A Wildcat? That's it. You got nothing to add? You got nothing to add. Not even to say something along the lines of, I'm glad to see a white person say something like this. No, I'm not going to give it that, though. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Uh, That's because it, it all it all boils down to he has something to say. He said it well. And he was done with it. And I'm good with that. So, um, once again, as I said at the beginning, I'm curious to see you if uh, anyone, any of those people who visited my Facebook page will visit again once I post these comments from Coach Kerr and see what they have to say about that. <laughs> That's true. Once again, I am, for those who are new to the podcast, where you been? Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning us in. I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. Oh, I forgot. Rockets Media Day is Friday. This uh, coming Friday? Yes, sir. September 23rd. I'll have so some, when do they go to China? I'll have some tidbits. A few days after that, uh, I think games are in October, so first middle part of October. So training camp, uh, you know, we, we hear all the the cliches and how it's a new coach. We're looking forward to the new system, new year, new attitude. We we spend time together this off season, working together, getting to know each other as teammates, and learning about our coaching staff and the plays. All that all that fun stuff will be said Friday. It'll be a love in love fest. We're looking forward to the season. Looking forward to making great things happen, making our fans and coaches and everyone happy and excited to be with the Rockets. And then reality is set in, season starts, and they'll be right on 42 and 43 wins and maybe 8 seed in the West. Can they get 45? On the high end, I don't see them getting more than 45 right now. That's my thought on that. But even that, 45, 7th spot in the West. And you lose to San Antonio? Probably San Antonio. Maybe the Clippers. Maybe the Clippers will move up to uh, the second spot in the West behind the um, Golden State. Where do you see Portland landing in that city? Middle of the road? It'd be, they should finish above, above the Rockets. I think that. Oh, well, then. Yeah, they. Rockets in bad shape. I don't, shape, I don't know Rockets will. If the Blazers would. As of right now, I don't see the Blazers finishing top four. Okay. But, you know, five, six. So, yeah, I think it, they should have better season than the Rockets. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Media Days is here for the Rockets. Media Day for the American is a month away. It will be in Philly. be a one-day deal. Men's hoops first. And women's then, hoops second. And then my – And uh, we'll be there. And I think you'll make some travels as yeah, well, sir. I'll be leaving out uh, – instead of coming directly back, I'll be coming leaving from Philly, go headed to Kansas City for Big 12. And then uh, – but first part of the month, on the 11th and 12th, I'll be in Dallas, in Irving, Texas, rather, for Conference USA. Enjoy that. Safe travels. We're all around. We got one brother going to the Bahamas. Bermuda. <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me. Bermuda. I'm no. sorry. No. Barbados. Barbados. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 You'll be, you'll be in the Bahamas. He, he, he you've been, you, you you been there too, right? You've been to the Bahamas, right, Doc? You have a trip last year for the Bahamas? That's what was in my mind. He, so, correct, yeah. he corrected you kind of quickly there. So, too, you know, he's, 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 he's a world traveler, and we're glad he's part of these podcasts. You know, Wildcat and myself, we're just domestic travelers. We just go with it. Yeah. We're rolling. We're rolling from wild and free. So, yeah. But, gentlemen, thank you very much once again for your time, your insight, your knowledge. Listeners and viewers, thank you for your comments and your tweets. 
We appreciate it. You can catch our podcast on Pod Directory, SoundCloud, iTunes. We got coaches following us and, and uh, commenting about the podcast. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully, our next podcast, we won't be talking about another incident incident at the hands of the police. Right now, I'm calling it an incident. Another and, incident. And for full disclosure, um, and during the Charlotte protest this evening, apparently there was civilian on civilian violence where a civilian was, was shot fatally by another civilian. Not, police were not involved in this one. But it was, I assume it was, surrounded, it was around the protesting um, of the killing of, of Mr. Scott. So, we protest. Protests get out of hand. You know, it could be outsiders coming in, stirring up trouble. Who knows what happened without that, about that. But, stay, stay safe. Do whatever, thing, whatever you can in your power to stay safe. Yeah. And unfortunately, we know sometimes even that's not enough. And that's just reality for, for us in this world. And that's how I'm going to wrap it up on this podcast. Thank you very much. Wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.